Good morning, Midtown. Hey, I'm, I'm excited to be here. I thought I'll, I'll, I'll take maybe a couple of minutes to give an update on the uh, Vietnam church planning progress. If we can get the slides up here, I'll just do a couple of minutes uh, on where we are at uh, as a means to update you guys. Do we have the... All right, there you go. Okay, so if you don't know, every Sunday morning we pray uh, for the Vietnam uh, discipleship and the team and evangelism every Sunday at 8 a.m. And then and on Wednesday uh, morning, we do an online English club every Wednesday and different people from Midtown and in the Living Faith Fellowship help to do that. And that's our net fishing uh, to kind of get people to, to know about Jesus, but it's topical things that is a bridge to introduce the gospel to them. And I just want to invite uh, everyone, if you want to participate in that, come talk to me. Uh, and if you meet the requirements, we'll put you on there as well on Wednesday. And then on Friday, we have a Bible study. And here, that's where we open the book and envision people and share the gospel with people. And we've been seeing fruit. And that picture you see there is what happens on Friday every morning. And God has been blessing uh, that. And, and this is just the different uh, English club titles that we have. I thought I'll, I'll just show it to you. Uh, but uh, please, uh, Feel free to sign up with that. Now, I'm really excited about this. So this picture is the first service that we have in Vietnam after the pandemic, okay? This is a big deal. Now, now here's the thing, a bit of background is that we, we you know, they've been meeting uh, just online uh, and we parked them in a, a local church that, uh, in Vietnam because uh, we wanted them to have fellowship. But in recent months, uh, our disciples, Nam and Yumi, was approaching me and said, hey, you, do you think we can just meet separately now? You know, and can we also tie to Living Faith Saigon? And this is coming from them, and I was just, uh, wow, just, just, just in awe in terms of how God is moving them. And so with their time money, they rented a little small room and started a meeting on Sunday, uh, and that is awesome. And those two guys above, uh, uh, visitors, they are lost people. And then we have Laura as well. Laura went on the right, and she is a disciple uh, from Living Faith Tampa. And so God is just kind of putting uh, all the pieces together. She's just there for a holiday. And then after every service on Sunday, uh, they go out to evangelize, right? Because as a disciple of Jesus Christ, the first thing uh, that Jesus do is what? Right? Uh, come follow me, and I'll make you fishers off. Man, and so that's what we do every Sunday, and it's just amazing. Uh, that guy in the bottom left, Dewey, uh, just got saved a couple weeks ago, and so pra praise God for, for that. Now, I want to share this, uh, this testimony because this is w w what we're all about, discipleship. Living the Great Commission is to make disciples. So I just want to give you uh, just that testimony from one of our disciples that's going through discipleship, and it's just awesome. This was, was not solicited. She just posted this in our group message telling uh, us how she's doing in her discipleship process. And it's so cool just to hear her heart, right, in terms of, man, God is putting a fire, right, in her heart. God is giving her an appetite for the Bible. Isn't it what, what it's all about, right? Having an appetite to be intimate with God, right? Uh, she is, you know, Jesus in Revelation says, I counsel thee to buy gold, right? To be like Christ, deity. 
And we're seeing that uh, testimony right now. And I want to thank uh, Midtown for praying. Please keep praying. We've got another relationship uh, that is not going as smooth. So please pray because the enemy always want to attack. Uh, that and, uh, and then one more thing here, uh, discipleship and visioning, right? Every opportunity we have after someone gets saved, we want to envision them what the next steps is, and that's always discipleship. And, and we have Ruby here on the right. Uh, she was uh, uh, part of a seminary in, in Vietnam, uh, but uh, she came to a Bible study and she said, you know, I'm, I'm learning in, in this Bible study more than I'm learning two years in a seminary, right? Isn't it a testimony in terms of just what God has given us in our philosophy of ministry, in discipleship, and in the expository uh, word of God? Uh, so, uh, praise the Lord for that. Okay. Can you manually? Okay, so this is just some prayer requests uh, that I put uh, down there. Uh, you can take a picture of it. Uh, we ran out of time to kind of give a fuller update. Uh, but I want to uh, maybe ask for you guys to pray for uh, just the deputation process. We, you know, are managing a full-time job and doing deputation. So it's always, uh, uh, you know, uh, a time management thing. But man, praise God, every church that we went to uh, gave us a thumbs up, financially support us. And so we're, we're so... Uh, thankful for that, and we're, we're going to go next to uh, a church in Clinton, and then Colorado, and then to, to Michigan as well. So uh, please uh, keep praying for that. All right, let's, let's get to the message. Uh, if you have your Bible, please turn to the book of Ruth. Please turn to the book of Ruth. I'm going to pray, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll get into it. Book of Ruth. Father, I thank you so much for, for this morning, the privilege to... to uh, preach your word, and uh, Father, I just want to acknowledge your presence, and God, I just ask uh, for your favor and liberty to, to preach, and uh, that your, your word uh, will be made known, your name will be made known, and, and Father, I pray uh, that we will have faith uh, to hear it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, the title of the message this morning is Decisions, 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 okay? I'm a real estate agent, so I tell people location, location, location is the most important thing. So the title is Decisions, Decisions, Decisions. And whether we like it or not, we all make decisions, don't we? Right? Uh, some are small decisions and less consequential, and some are bigger decisions that are more consequential, like who, who you marry, right? Uh, big decision, uh, lifetime of consequences. And so, so even, you know, middle, medium decisions, right, they are important. So last year, uh, I, uh, you know, I was, my, my, my trailer got stolen. And then, and then my, uh, 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 my riding lawnmower was broken. So I have no way to get my riding lawnmower to the shop to get fixed. So I, I, I got these ramps, right, to bring my, my riding lawnmower. And I got a friend who has an F-150 pickup. And I was thinking of driving that lawnmower up to his F-150 and then, and then bring it to the, to the service center. Good idea or bad idea? Bad idea. Okay, you see, see I got to learn that lesson the hard way. I made a decision, hey, you know what? Let's, let's go for it. I'm kind of desperate. I need to cut my grass. Drove it up. Almost got, almost got to the top of the F-150. And then the whole ramp slipped and the whole thing fell on me. 
but by the grace of God, I mean, somehow an angel just kind of, <laughs> I, I do have a guardian angel, I guess, you know, that, man, that, that could have, uh, man, be, be really bad. But, but, man, decisions, right? Decisions. We make decisions every day. So my goal today is to encourage us to make good decisions from biblical principles rather than from penalties of life, okay? Did you get that? My goal today is to encourage us to make good biblical decisions rather than from the penalties of life. In other words, we don't have to learn things the hard way, do we? Right? We don't have to learn things the hard way. We can get it right the first time, every time, if we keep the Word of God. So, so the book of Ruth, okay? The book of Ruth is awesome. Uh, the, you know, th this is what God is using for uh, the Vietnam team I'm preaching through, uh, the book of Ruth. Uh, it has four chapters, and the outline of the book of Ruth it, it itself lends to a blueprint of growth, and I, I just love it because there's four chapters, and, and I can summarize the four chapters to this. Chapter one is Ruth decides. Ruth have to make some uh, difficult decisions, but she decided, okay? We're going to look into chapter one uh, today. But then uh, chapter two is from that decision-making, we see how Ruth serves, how Ruth serves, and, and the favor that came from her. Again, steadfast decision, she had favor from her serving. She submitted as she was serving. And she had a good reputation because of the decision, the hard decisions that she made early on. And then we see that Ruth in chapter 3 get rest. And ultimately in Ruth 4, chapter 4, we see, get, we see Ruth got rewarded. You see, she, she got redeemed. Uh, uh, the, you know, kinsman re redeemer, Boaz married her and she has a child. And then the lineage of, 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 of that child is basically to King David and Jesus Christ. What an awesome story, isn't it? And so that is the blueprint and that's what we are hoping for, that we are making some hard decisions to go to Vietnam, right? And we pray that, man, that decision is in Christ, for Christ, and that we'll be able to serve steadfastly, not wavering, and then to rest, right? To rest and then ultimately get rewarded, okay? And so the outline for chapter one goes like this. this is, we're gonna focus on uh, chapter one, verse one, to, to verse 18, chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 18, and there are four key decisions that we see in this passage, four key decisions. From verse 1 to 2, we see Elimelech decided to leave Bethlehem, Judah. Okay? And then verse 3 to 5, we see Malon and Chilion, the son of Elimelech, decided to be unequally yoked, okay, to marry the woman of Moab. And then verse 6 and 7, we see Naomi decided to return to Bethlehem, Judah. And then finally, verse 8 to 18, we see the daughter-in-law, Ruth and Opah, decided to whether follow or not to follow Naomi, their only remaining covering. So that is the, 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 the outline for it. And we're going to look at all these four decisions and glean some principles on decision-making. Amen? You guys ready? Okay. So verse 1 to 3, let's read verse 1 to 3. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. 
And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, Ephratites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. Okay, so very quickly from verse 1, we already see the context of that timing of this book is when what? Judges rule. Okay, it came to pass in the days when the judges rule. So the climate, uh, the climate of, of the culture then, if we compare scripture to scripture in Judges, the, just one page before the last book of Judges, we see what is the, the climate of the people of Israel, okay? If you go back one page of your Bible, you see in those days, last verse of book of Judges, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes, okay? So that is the context surrounding this period of time, and it, it gives you more gravity in terms of the decision that Ruth made. It was a hard decision. And, and by the way, guys, just in terms of our dispensation, right, we are in the last church period, right? What, what is that? Laodicean, right? And everyone is, you know, the climate is very similar to this, right? It's lukewarm. People doing their own thing, right? Rather than buying gold from God. Does that make sense? Very similar in terms of our, our time. Uh, but I want to uh, point out right here that so this man, a certain man, and that certain man in verse 1 is Elimelech. He's the head of the family, and he sojourned to leave Bethlehem, Judah, to go to the country of Moab because there was a famine, right? A drought. There's no food. So on the surface, we would think it is reasonable to do that, isn't it? Like, well, there's a famine. Uh, let's go to another place, right? On the surface, it may seem, it may appear to be the right logical decision. But may I point out to you that sometimes God allows famine in our life, right? So that we can trust Him, right? And you see the same example in Genesis chapter 12, right? When, when God promised Abraham right, that he will multiply him, he will prosper and everything. What was the first thing that happened? In Genesis chapter 12, verse 10, we see that Abraham went south to go to Egypt because there was a famine. He wasn't supposed to go there. And when he went there, the bad decision immediately. And then it led to another bad decision because he lied about his wife. Right? And so, so just because there is a famine doesn't mean that God wants you to leave something. Okay? God wants you to leave something. Okay, but the other thing is that the names, right? Names in the Bible mean something. And Bethlehem, Judah means house of bread. They were in a house of bread. And then they are leaving to go to Moab. Moab it's a, country, uh, it's, a, it's a country of a product of an ancestral relationship of Lot and his daughters. And God has warned them not to be, you know, intermingled with, with those people. And so that gives you another clue, right? That they were in a house of bread. 
and yet they decided to leave and go to Moab. Okay, so key point number one I have here is we need to be careful not to leave a place of blessing unless God specifically asks us to do so. Amen? Right? We need to be careful not to leave a place of blessing unless God specifically directs us to do so. You see, you're in this place, midtown, and I may be biased, but I, I don't think just because I'm biased that this is not true, I think I can be objective too, is a house of bread. Do you agree? I, I mean, oh my goodness, I, we are so rich. We are so rich. I mean, just the baptisms, the choir, I mean, just the, 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 the ministry that's going on. We have not arrived, but, but may I say that this is a house of bread. I get fed so much. I'm so blessed. I hope you are too, right? And so if you are in a discipleship relationship, you're in a small group, you're in this church, God have you here for a reason, right? And just because a famine comes into your life doesn't mean you got to check out. You see? Does that make sense? God wants to use famine, times of difficulty, so that we can trust Him at a higher level. That's how we grow. God wants us to lean in. And the word sojourn here in verse 1, they went to sojourn, it's very interesting. We don't have much time, but I, I, I just want to point out that sojourn is also translated as fear and afraid. Isn't it interesting? Fear and afraid. So making decision out of fear, right? Have you guys made that before? <laughs> right? Making decision out of fear. That was the decision. Fear, oh my, famine, gotta go, right? And sojourn also implies temporary temporary dwelling, right? So, hey, you know what? Hey, guys, pastor, don't worry. This is just temporary solution, okay? I'm just going to work, you know, six months, you know, in this place. There's no church, no nothing, but it's just temporary, just sojourning, just temporary, right? And that temporary got Elimelech killed. What a picture. You follow me? Like, like God saying, lean in. Famine, but lean in. Okay, in, in the case of Vietnam, certainly for us, it is a big decision. And uh, man, we, we, you know, I, I tell Sam and the pastor, anytime, you, if, if one of you guys doesn't see it, let me know, right? I don't have to go. I'm cool. I'm happy here, right? I'll stay here forever, right? But I know in my heart, there's always a, a heart to go for the Great Commission and so forth. But man, if it's not from the church, not from God, Man, please, no, I don't want to do this, okay? Uh, I'll stay where I'm at. Let's move on. Re, uh, let's, let's, let's look at verse 3 to 5. 3 to 5. So, and Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left, this is Naomi, and her two sons, okay? And they, the two sons, took them wives of the woman of Moab. The name of the one was Opa, and the name of the other, Ruth. And they dwelt there about 10 years. And Malon and Chilion, uh, also both of them, uh, sorry, Malon and Chilion died, also both of them, and a woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Okay, so we see here Malon and Chilion, after his dad died, they decided, okay, decision number two, to be unequally yoked. See that? They, they intermingle. God says, don't do it, but they in intermingle. 
Deuteronomy 23, verse 3 says, An Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord, even to their tenth generation. Nehemiah 13, 1, very similar thing. On, the, on that day they read in the book of Moses, in the audience of the people, and therein was found written that the Ammonite and the Moabite should not come into the congregation of God forever. Okay, but they do that anyway. Now, what's interesting about this is the names again. Are the names again. So we see that Elimelech's name is, my God is king. What a name. Uh, uh, you know, I think I, I would name, you know, any son's name would be a good name. Elimelech, my God is king. Like, yes. Okay. And then, and then Naomi means pleasant. Another great name, right? But what is interesting is that their two sons' names are very totally polar opposite of great names. So the name of Malon, uh, the, the name of Malon means sick. And the name of uh, Chilion means puny. So sick and puny. Does that, you see, you see the, right, the, the, the contrast between the parent's name and the, the kid's name and the kid's didn't turn out that good, even though their parents have great names. And there's a picture for us, there's a clue for us. And I suspect that there's some parenting issues going on that's not consistent. Okay? Uh, I can infer that because why? Because in the times of difficulty, the kids see their parents make decisions, don't they? And they see their parents like, ah, oh, God, you say God is king and God is all cool and pleasant, but you don't actually obey it. You don't actually obey it. You are inconsistent, and they see the hypocrisy that is in their parents. And guess what? When they have opportunity to make decisions, you know what they're going to follow? The examples of the parents. Like, oh, their faith is not real. So why do I have to do that? Do you see that? Right? And, and, and Matthew 7, 17 says, Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. And so key point number two is many poor, small decisions will always lead into bigger problems. Many poor Small decisions will always lead into bigger problem. A little compromise here, a little sin here, that's not, not, not that bad. And then suddenly we find ourselves in some deep problems, right? Bible warns us, Galatians 5, 9, a little leaven, leaveneth the whole lump, right? And, and, and Galatians 6, 7 says, be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap right? You will reap. We will reap what we sow. Those small sins that we say it's okay, those pet sins we think it's okay, they will catch up and they will add up, right? And we see the consequences here. Now, the, the cause of death, you know, in the case of Elimelech and the, the two sons are not revealed, okay? They never actually tell, uh, tell us the cause of death. No autopsy was done, as far as we know, okay? But, but the, the, the death appears to be causal because they did a decision, there was a consequences. You see, in each of the verse, they did a, make a decision, there was a consequences. But the other clue that we have is also that 
In verse 4, it says, and they dwelt there about 10 years. 10 years. Again, uh, you know, words mean something. The, you know, uh, numerology in the Bible means something. And, and, and 10 here, we can see is, it, it represents completeness, responsibility, and judgment. Okay, we see that in Ten Commandments. God gave the Ten Commandments. It was complete. It's man's responsibility to keep, keep it. We have ten elders in Ruth chapter 4 that give a witness to the kinsman uh, uh, redeeming. We have the ten plagues. God gave them ten plagues in Egypt all right, to represent God's warning and judgment. And then, do you know that there's ten generations from Adam to Noah? before God finally says, hey, enough, and decides to wipe them from the planet. And so here we have 10 years. They were there about 10 years, okay? And so James 1.15 says, then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death, okay? So key point number three, sinful living will always end bad will always, always end bad and cost more than what we are willing to pay for. Okay, this is, this is serious warning here. We, we see that in the book of Joshua chapter 7, the sins of Achan. You guys might have heard of it, read of it, right? He took something, garments, and, and maybe a pair of Jordans he wasn't supposed to take, right? Hid it, and God said, no, those, those spoils doesn't belong to you. I told you not to do that. And guess what? He and his whole family were stoned to death. Right? If he would knew the consequences, do you think he would even think of doing that? Right? And then we have Ananias and Sapphira, right? In Acts chapter 5, lied about their offering. And then God made an example of them and, and they died on the spot. So sinful living will always end bad and cost more than what we're willing to pay for. So the, the answer is don't do it. Don't do it because it costs too much. Verse 6 and 7. Verse 6 and 7. This is a third decision now. Okay. Then she arose, this is Naomi, with her daughters-in-law <coughs> that she might return from the country of Moab for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. So now Naomi is considering to go to Bethlehem, Judah and she did. Okay, so key point number four, it's never too late to come back to a place of blessing. Amen? It's never too late. To come back and we hear these stories, the testimony. It's never too late. I don't, I don't care what you've done. But it's never too late to come back to a place of blessing. I can't think of a better story than the prodigal son. Right? The prodigal son went off, did his own thing, realized he was back, came back, humbled himself. And what, what was the father's reaction? Ran towards him. Right? In excitement. Because his son is coming back didn't even chastise him, right? Say, put a robe on it. Let's get a fatted calf. Let's get the party started. Because he's returning. Isn't that cool? Like, so, come back. 
Come back to a place of blessing. If you're gone astray, come back. God wants you back. God wants us back. Anytime. It's never too late. Right? Corey Tambum said this, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, it, it says, uh, there's no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. Right? There's no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. Okay? So let's come back to a, to a place of blessing. Okay, um, decision number four. Verse 8 to 18. Verse 8 to 18, and we see here, I'm going to just regurgitate because there's a lot of verse here, but there's four attempts, four attempts of, of Naomi challenging uh, the, the two daughters-in-law to not come with them, okay? At first, they were coming with them. They were on their way, verse 7 says, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. So they were coming, right? But then on the way, Naomi challenged that decision four times. And let's look at that four, four uh, uh, attempts here. And Naomi said unto her, two daughters-in-law in verse 8, go return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye may find rest each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voice and wept. So Naomi gave her, her a blessing for them to leave for a better future. She was selfless. Do you see her selfless heart here? She could claim like, oh, poor me, you know, God, I'm widow, please come help me. Like, you know, and, and wanted the help like Rapunzel's uh, mom, right? Wanted to keep Rapunzel for herself. She could be that Rapunzel mom, like, oh, I'm so poor, oh, I need help, oh, I got arthritis, you know, all that. But, uh, but she's like, no, go your way, right? Go your way, do that. Right? She was selfless. Number two here, uh, we see uh, attempt number two, verse 11. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will ye go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husband? Okay, Naomi feels that she has not much to offer them, no more sons in her womb. She had that feeling of inadequacy. Right? Feelings of inadequacy. And then verse 12 again, uh, third attempt. Turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I'm too old to have a husband. If I should say I have a hope, if I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. Okay, so we see the third attempt. Naomi is, is feeling broken. She felt like God has left her, right? She was broken. She felt she was sidelined. And then, and then she had one more attempt where, where uh, uh, Opa left and she said, hey, man, why don't you just go? She left already. Why don't you just go? Now, so we see that Naomi was selfless. She felt inadequate. She felt broken and sidelined. But you know what? God used her selflessness, the feelings of inadequacy, and her brokenness to, call, to provoke one of the most powerful COD decisions in the Bible. Do you see that? So key point number five is God is not done with us even when we feel broken and sidelined. Can you hear that? Can you, can you take that? God is not done with you and me 
even when we feel broken and sidelined, God used Naomi even in this situation to provoke them. Otherwise, they wouldn't have made that decision. Do you see that? Otherwise, they wouldn't have made that hard decision. It is so important to make decisions so then you know how to move forward in life, right? So, so 2 Corinthians 12.10, it tells us how God can use weakness. Therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God used Naomi's weakness to show how strong he is. Isn't it cool? And that provoked uh, Ruth and Opa to really consider, right? Challenges like, what do I do? Do I follow? Do I not follow? And so let's, let's look at uh, Opa, okay? Very tempted to say Gangnam style, but I guess I just said it. Okay, Opa is a gangster, no. Uh, it's a picture of a double-minded person. It's a picture of a double-minded person, right? She, she was like, yes, right? She wept. And like, yes, okay, yeah, no, we gotta follow. Second time, oh no, we gotta follow. And third time, see ya. Okay? She wasn't resolute, right? And I think about I think about ourselves, right? How many times have we sat, right, just in this pew, right? And told God, man, yes, God, yes. Yes, I got it. I'm, I'm making that decision to, to do whatever obedience, right? Fill in the blanks for you. And then Monday came. And then someone said, hey, you don't have to do that. Tuesday came. Hey, I got something better for you, right? And then by Wednesday, you already forgotten what God told you. You follow me, right? She's unstable in in all his ways, uh, yeah, sorry, James 1.8, right? A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And she, she wasn't stable. She wasn't resolute in her decision. And it's interesting, if you, if you study uh, uh, and do some research on Opa and on the uh, Midrash, which is a commentary on, uh, on the Hebrew Bible, ancient commentary on the Hebrew Bible, that uh, Opa is uh, the mother of Goliath, okay? Not, not, not gospel here, but just the commentary. Very interesting. And, and three Philistine giants. That's, that's the midrash from the Hebrew uh, commentary. Just interesting. Uh, they, you know, it claims that she got promiscuous and got into those relationships. And Ruth, on the other hand, is the direct you know, lineage to King David. And of course, we know King David slayed Goliath, uh, and then, and then, and then uh, the lineage continues to, to Jesus Christ. Okay, but now contrast Opa to Ruth. Ruth is a picture of someone who is single-minded. Single-minded. Let's read verse 16, and I'm telling you, this is probably one of the most powerful 
COD response letter, right? I don't know, you, you fill out a response card, right? After you finish that, that COD thing, like, yes, I will commit, right? This is probably like the biggest, like, wow. Check, check this out, okay, verse 16. Okay, and after four attempts to get her not to go, and she has every reason not to do so, there wasn't much promise for her, okay? This was Ruth's answer. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. This is real, you guys. Isn't that crazy? I mean, just the level of consecration and commitment of Ruth to Naomi, and, and we see in the later chapters, Naomi became her disciple, if you will, guiding her to the kinsman redeemer. Powerful, right? Who wants to sign up for that, right? Uh, we all should, okay? So key point number five, we should trust God to be a whatever, whenever, and wherever disciple. I stole that from Mark Trotter. Pastor Mark Trotter, right? There is a line of demarcation. Have you crossed that line? Or can someone still persuade you to turn around? Is there a price that someone could pay you and say, turn around, right? I pray not. That we can make very similar decisions, right, to God, and the byproduct of that is then submission to our disciples, disciplers, to our ministry leaders, to our pastors, your, whatever your covering is, because God is going to bless that. And we see that was the case in the book of Ruth. Through this steadfast decision, she could then work with a focus and steadfast mind. And you know, it's so, so cool. In chapter 2, God just placed her of all the fields in the right Place at the right time. You see that? The favor of the Lord. When we make the right decision, God will just orchestrate for us to hap, which is the, the word used in the Bible, to be in the right place at the right time. And you and me, if we make those decisions, God can orchestrate that for you and me as well. So, so as we get ready to close here, uh, let's, let's have the praise team come forward. I want to challenge us to make decisions because the, the title of this message is Decisions, 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 right? And, and you've seen, right? I hope you've seen some of the principles that we see, and this, this is not exhaustive by any means, right? Some of the principles that we can utilize so that, man, we make the right decisions and get the right results rather than have to learn things the hard way, right? Let's not do that. 
And so I pray, it, man, if God is speaking to you uh, this morning and you heard from the Lord, I pray that you come up front, right, that there's going to be counselors uh, here in, in the front. And just, man, let's get right with God today. Let's not wait for tomorrow, okay? Uh, you know, if someone brought you here, man, please uh, go with them and say, hey, I, God spoke to me. Can I share something with you? Pray with someone. Don't leave this place. Not change, right? If God spoke to you today, please respond to that. And then I also want to make an invitation that if you haven't received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right? Today is the day. Ruth is a Gentile, right? Ruth came from a cursed race. And yet, God shows, you know, favor to her, right? And, and God, you know, you know, God showed grace to her, much grace to her, and God wants to give you that grace. And so if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, can I beg you, man, please, uh, don't be like me. Like I was, I was one of those people, uh, I, my, my butt was glued to the pew and, and didn't, didn't come up to respond. Man, it's worth it, right? This is, this is uh, family right here. Come up uh, and someone can walk you uh, through the gospel. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. For your word, um, Lord, you are so good uh, to us. Uh, Lord, we, if we are honest, we, we made a lot of wrong decisions in our life. And uh, I pray that, Lord, that you would cause us to humble ourselves and, and repent. Repent, turn away, and, and make a decision today to say, I'm not holding on to these pet sins anymore. God, I, I, I'm not leaving just because I have problems. I don't want to check out just because I have problems in my life. Lord, I pray for someone today that they will lean into you instead of running away. Father, you're, you're so good, just as that, that story of the prodigal son, you're ready ready, ready to accept us with open arms, with a coat, with a fatted calf. And so there is no reason whatsoever that we can't come to you this morning. And so, Father, I pray uh, your will be done, Lord, that if anyone here is not safe, would you, would you cause them to see the light? Would you help them to see the, the, the sinfulness of their sin that they can acknowledge they need a savior lord you're good we love you and we thank you in jesus name amen